0: Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in, now. It is picked up by the line, coming back right side, 25. Picks up a block at the 30, it's at the 40. Drink it in, 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 man. Rolls to the right, Stafford throws deep. Got a man out there, Enzo. Caught. Touchdown to Cordy, Marvin Jones. Drink it in, drink it in. Touchdown Detroit Lions! Cornbread! Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in now. Detroit Kool-Aid, Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers, what is going on? This is your host, Derek Oakry, thank you guys so much for Listening to the Detroit Kool-Aid cast coming to you here on a Wednesday. The season is over. We'll uh, give a quick recap of that, but stay with us here on this episode. I'm doing a solo show today, and I thought I'd just talk about the main topics everybody wants to hear about. And that's the rumor innuendo that's going on with the GM, the head coach search. We're going to talk about the first guy we should talk about and the last guy we should talk about. And that's Matt Stafford do a, a multi-layered talk about him and what's going on there. And then let's finish out the show with my favorite topic, the NFL draft. Give you guys some names, some positions of need. I've been doing some mock drafts on Twitter at Derek Oakry. That's spelled D E R E K O K R I E. You could check those out. And uh, like I say, give me a comment. Tell me what you like, what you don't like. Um, guys you're targeting, people you're interested in Really uh, fun to have that back and forth and, and love seeing who people are thinking about And and what picks they like Which ones they don't So we'll get into that here at the end of the show But uh, yeah, let's just get this thing rolling Let's talk about some rumor and innuendo uh, You know, lots going on with the Detroit Lions When it comes to the search Well, before we get to that Let's just talk quickly about this game Against the, the Minnesota Vikings at the end of the year I, I'm not going to give you a whole recap I mean... You guys saw it. I put out on, I tweeted it out before the game. Hey, it'd be cool to see Stafford, Hawkinson, Marv Jones, um, Swift, you know, those type of guys play good on offense. You know, I get, I've given up a long time ago hoping that this defense would come together. So, you know, we, we all knew what was going to happen there on defense. And pretty much that's what we got in this ball game. I mean, Matt Stafford played well. Marvin Jones had a huge game. Swift showed a few flashes, got in the end zone again. Hockett's had a few catches, stayed healthy. I mean, in a weird way, it was kind of like everything you wanted from that final game where they play well, it was kind of back and forth. And they came up short, which kind of preserved the draft pick. Now, I know winning, you know, gives you that good feeling going in the offseason or, you know, it was, would have made some fans happy, but it's just not the smart move at that point, based on what's on the line and and you know where this team was was at at that point or where they're headed type of thing. They really need you know the highest pick um, to to get this thing moving back in the right direction. And uh, so, like I said, it was all pretty good, except for the NFL referees. <laughs> I mean, Grifka comes on this show all the time and talks about that the NFL doesn't like the lions and man, every game they, you know, they have these calls cause they don't care about the lions and you know, uh, all these conspiracy theories. I, I'm not going to go to the conspiracy music for this one, but what I will go to is a rant about that play fourth and one from the one yard line. Tracy Walker comes untouched and all he does is, Tackle the quarterback. (laughs) It's called tackle football, everybody. He literally just kind of tackled him to the ground. Both their momentums took them to the ground. He moved off the quarterback. He did not taunt. He did not grab a face mask. He did not do anything. He ran off the field. And and this referee wants to throw a penalty flag. It was visually the worst (laughs) penalty call that I've seen in a football game that I can remember. I mean, this beats the horrible calls in Green Bay. This this, this beats the, oh, I thought his knee was down, the Jim Schwartz flag. I mean, this beats all that because it's just so egregious. I mean, it's literally just an NFL football tackle. And this guy's going to claim you, you dropped your weight on the guy. And then he's going to say after the game, it's a clear foul. And then he's going to say that he definitely got it right. It was no doubt in his mind, like, what are these guys watching? I mean, there's so many so many calls when I watch a game where I'm just like, really? That's what you're calling? That's what you saw? Because everybody else can see otherwise. I mean, there's not one person that's defending this roughing the passer call saying, oh, no, like, he definitely dropped his weight. That definitely was uh, more than he should have done on that play. He simply... Tackled the quarterback It was a blitzing safety that what weighs? what's he 6'2 Like two 215 Tracy Walker I mean this is not The, the, the reason the dropping the weight Or putting your whole weight on a quarterback Was just so uh, like a 300 pounder Doesn't you know lift you up In a spine buster position and just Drop you into the ground <laughs> That's why it's there it's not For a random just basic tackle That you want to just make up the rules And these refs th- the reason they do this is because they want to pretend they're so smart like oh man I read every rule in the rule book watch watch me go out on Sundays and throw flags and make these calls like and the rule book isn't there to have you dissect it to a t and to call every little minute thing those rules are there for the egregious calls for the things that alter ball games for things that are common sense you know we're not trying to dig into page three you know, 382, you know, rule G article F line four and and read it off verbatim so that you can like pat yourself on the back at the end of the ball game. Absolutely horrible. I'm not going to spend any more time on it, but also the Marvin Jones call. Everybody that watches that with a brain, watches it in slow motion, watches it in high def is just sitting there going, "That's, that's a football catch. I mean, he caught the ball. He went to the ground. Yes, his arm, elbow, whatever you want to call it, hit the ground with a ball in it. The ball moved up to his chest, and he secured it there. It never touched the ground. It never jostled around. It's never like he didn't have control of this football. And you're just taking points off the board for no reason. I mean, between them going under the hood and seeing this stuff in slow-mo and just making up crap that happens, even though you're supposed to stay with what was on the field, which is a touchdown... And this is what they do against the Lions. They flip all these calls where they called it a touchdown. There was no indisputable evidence. You never physically saw the point of the ball or any point of the ball bounce off the ground. Get here the ref makes it up in his head. Oh, I think it hit the ground. It bounced up to his chest. So I'm going to call it incomplete and reverse the call. Get on every other call in the NFL with every other football team. These spineless referees have no... They have no guts whatsoever you could go under the hood and blatantly see something but they're going to come out and do the wimpiest thing in the world which is called the the ruling on the field stands Again, why do we have replay if 90 to 95% of the calls seem to just go with stands? Why are you going to go watch it for 10 minutes and waste everybody's time if you're just going to say stands? Why are you going to say stands 90% of the time? Yet against the Detroit Lions, you're going to assume, well, I think the ball hit the ground. I mean, let's go reverse it, take a touchdown, take a 40-yard-plus play off the off the board from Matt Stavart and Marvin Jones. Because you think it might have hit the ground. You didn't see that for sure. Nobody at home saw that for sure. And this continually happens. So these these referees have no clue what they're doing. It's it's just an embarrassment, especially for Detroit Lions games. And you now I speak for me, all the Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers, all the Detroit Lions fans, and all the people of Michigan, when I say we're sick of it. We're sick of getting shortchanged. We're sick of seeing this. We're tired of people being like, ah, it doesn't matter. It's just the Lions, whatever. Like, could you imagine if there was something on the game, on the line in this game when these calls were made? Ridiculous. All right, so I, I meant to spend a couple minutes on that. I went a little bit longer, but I had to get that ran out of my system. <sighs> All right, let's get back to rumor, innuendo, coaches, and GM. Big big news came out on what was it Sunday morning when I got when I was waking up. Good morning, football. The rap sheet. Adam Schefter, whoever you want to, you know, go to for your news, put out there. The Lions are strongly pursuing John Schneider, GM of the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, this caught me by surprise. It was also good to see because John Schneider is well-established. His draft record pretty much speaks for itself, even though I usually hate their drafts because it's usually people off the board, reaches, but they're always like scheme fits and they always end up being pretty good football players. Um, But like I said, this guy's proven. I mean, Seattle has really put that whole organization back together. They're pretty much a consistent winner where they win 12 games this year again. Um, You're pretty much going after one of the best of the best in the game, which you got to love to see if you're a Lions fan. And I, I don't know if it'll happen, but John Schneider to me, you know, you can say this is, you know, not what you want to hear, not what matters. But when I look at John Schneider, when it comes to his, his personality uh, the the way he does business also the just the the kind of guy he looks like on the surface I mean he looks like a guy you want as your general manager. I mean, what's he always wearing the the, the nice button downs he's got the vest on um the north face vest whatever he's rocking these days he's he's got the beard going he, he just every time I hear him talk, I'm like, man, this is just a good football guy. You know, he knows the game. He's well-respected. He knows how to kind of hobnob with all the other GMs. He knows how to wheel and deal, make some trades. Um, He moves up and down all around, usually down the draft board, which is something Bob Quinn never did, which is he's just moving up for people or taking people that turn out to be bums. And John Schneider just, I remember one year, I think he moved down, what, four or five times in the first couple rounds? The guy never picked. He just kept moving down, collecting assets, collecting picks. And then we did make picks, these guys end up being good football players. So, I mean, I would love to see John Schneider. I don't know if it's going to happen, but at least the Lions are poking around there and uh, going after somebody that is, you know, one of the top GMs in the game. Another rumor that came out, I mean, this was talked about and then I heard it was kind of pushed to the side now it's kind of resurfacing again. Uh Kevin Colbert, the uh GM over there in Pittsburgh, used to be with the Lions, has been over there with Pittsburgh for quite a while now. I want to say 10 years or so, maybe longer. And uh he has been the GM I think the past seven plus years, I want to say. And uh I mean just look at what they bring in. Both trades, free agents, draft picks. Um, keeping that core team together, always having that rough, tough type defense. The, Kevin Colbert can find himself some receivers now. I mean, this guy just plucks receivers out of the second to the fifth round like it's goal. You're talking A, B, you're talking Juju, you're talking Deontay Johnson, Chase, Claypool. I mean, uh, I could probably go on, but between that and him finding rush, rush ends, linebackers, I mean, the guy's really putting it together, so... I mean, this seems like a long shot. Like, why would he leave Pittsburgh? But last last thing I checked in on is, you know, he, he doesn't have a contract moving forward. So, I mean, unless the Pittsburgh Steelers stepped up to the plate and sounds like they like to go year to year or a couple years at a time, I mean, the Lions would give this guy the keys to the city um, just to come in here and, and bring this team back to where it was when he left, I think, in the late 90s, 2000s. And uh, gosh, you know, he he lives in Pittsburgh, I think. So there's that. You know, there's other ties. Which people are like, why would he want to come here? Hey, maybe he just when he left here, he go do his thing. He's made his money. He's won championship, done this, th- and he wants to come back here and get the Lions right. I don't know, but uh, Kevin Colbert would be great as well. A little rumor innuendo that I want to debunk. I, I saw this on uh, Twitter over the weekend, and my reaction was no no (laughs) Jim Harbaugh to the Detroit Lions as the uh, head coach no (laughs) like if Jim Harbaugh wants to return to Michigan at a lower cost and wants to get that together and still try to win for his alma mater I mean I'm okay with it I'm not excited really about it based on what I've seen from him the past few years in regards to his players really not you know, reaching their full potential doesn't feel like I, I see no emotion on the sideline. I see no uh, ability to outthink or outstrategic, you know, the other team like he did when his first NFL run where he was coming up with run concepts and being able to just kind of, you know, seem to be a great quarterback guy and a great offensive guy. And I, I see neither of those really at this point in the game. Uh, I also think Jim Harbaugh is a really tough personality, both in for the media as well as just for, You know, fans and people in general. He likes to give these horrible press conferences. He likes to act very odd. I mean, we just don't need that right now with the Lions. It feels like we went that route sort of with um, Patricia and Quinn. Here's something I want to throw at people. If you guys want to go check out, go to YouTube and see if you can find a couple of the, the mic'd up segments with Matt Patricia at the Senior Bowl. Now, I know that I lauded that as, oh, man, look at this is our coach. You know, he was... He was going around hollering at people, working one-on-one with players. He had that that mojo, that that uh, you know alpha type mentality. But there's one segment if you go find it where he's talking. He's sitting there and he kind of yells at Bob Quinn like, "Hey, hey Bob Quinn, like, um, you know, go, you know." Uh, yeah, the senior director uh, at senior bowl, like he didn't do this for me. And now his guy won't talk to me. And I went up to him. and was like, well, you're, you're not going to be a man about it. And you know, we got to get that fixed or whatever. And kind of put it on Bob Quinn. He's sort of throwing the whole senior bowl staff under the bus or had some big issue. And I remember kind of getting fired up about it. Cause I was just saying, he was just trying to get stuff right for practice or wanted a situation handled. But you go back and you look at it. It's probably like a lot of that pointing fingers and a lot of the, you know, you didn't do it my way, and uh, you know, I'm gonna, we're gonna keep everything under wraps, which kind of, you know, probably was one of the big issues with the Lions. So you don't need a Jim Harbaugh, which is gonna tries to keep everything under wraps or doesn't want to give anything up or doesn't want to talk to anybody and just kind of a weirdo. You, you need, you need a guy that's gonna galvanize like the front office, the coaching staff, the players you know be able to win ball games first and foremost but also be able to be somebody where free agents want to come here you know people know they're going to be shot straight you're going to be rewarded if you play well you're going to get the boot if you if you play horrible you know that type of um, setup here is kind of what we need Jim Harbaugh doesn't fit that but this next guy does the the big rumor the big the big name that everybody wants is Robert Sala from the uh, San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator and to me, I mean, Sala was he was quoted, I think, by uh, the, the head coach, uh, Kyle Shanahan over there of saying Robert Sala is, is such a great coach. He's such a great communicator. Everybody loves him. If somebody doesn't give him a head coaching job. They'd be fools and he'd be happy to have him back, but he he doesn't know why anybody wouldn't snap this guy up. I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, but to me, those were great things to hear, especially the communication part. I mean, Sala already looks like a football coach from the build. He's not some wimpy, you know, little offensive coordinator. He's a, he's a big dude. He's excitable. He's smart. Obviously, he's put together good defenses. He hasn't got a shot yet. Here it is, everybody. Sound the alarms. He's from Dearborn. He knows what the fans have went through here. I think he could kind of connect with the the city, the state, the team, um, the the frustrations we went through, and kind of get that right if he's paired up with the right GM, John Schneider, and you know just the right coordinators. You know, all that's going to have to come together. But I think they're meeting with Salah. You guys be hearing the show on Wednesday morning. I think the interview is Thursday. And the Lions have already done a lot of their other due diligence with bringing people in and talking to people. So if Salab just blows them away, I don't know why you wouldn't move forward maybe with the head coach knowing that you maybe have um, either a shot at Schneider, um, Dodds, or or any of these guys that have kind of worked with him in the past or, or maybe have some connections there. So lots going on, lots being talked about. But I'm telling you, man, if Schneider, Colbert or dimitrov would be the gm I'd be excited about that and um Salah seems to be everybody's you know head coaching number one he seems to get great reviews from his people you know his his track record doesn't lie when it comes to uh defense and being a leader of men and a communicator and that's what the Lions are looking for so um you know i i'm really excited about it we'll see what happens but yeah had to had to debunk some of that and get you guys hyped for some of that as well so but let's go ahead and uh, I'm going to go ahead and get my um, sponsorship in here. Again, we're kind of just doing this real quick sponsor, not some of the other ads we've done in the past, just to um, promote my BLEAV Believe in Lions podcast with Lions legendary safety, Benny Blades. That drops Thursday morning. Um, me and Benny have a lot of fun on the show as well as you got to, you got to hear this guy's insight, man. He's a very intense, uh, great player for this team, as well as the guy that um, he, he, he's all football. You know, he, he, He's just no nonsense football guy, was on the field, is now on the podcast. Great guy to listen to. So I um, want you guys to take a quick listen to that. Please check that out. Please hit that subscribe button. Share that with a friend. It's a Great show. It's growing. Really enjoy it, as well as uh, enjoy the Kool-Aid cast here that we do twice a week. So when I come back, I'm going to dive into Matt Stafford. I got four or five main topics I want to talk about with him, and we are end this with some draft talk. So, everybody, we'll be right back. What's going on, everybody? This is your host, Derek Oakery of the Detroit Kool-Aid cast, and this is normally where I tell you about some of our great sponsors. But today, I want to tell you about my... Other Lions podcast. It's called Believe in Lions. That's spelled B L E A V on the Believe Podcasting Network with both myself and Lions legendary safety Benny Blades. Yeah, you know who he is. The hard hitting safety Benny Blades played for the Lions. He also played for the U. You know what it is. The University of Miami, those Miami Hurricanes. He mentions it multiple times the show. Benny loves to talk about his hurricanes, his lions, and I love to play the soundbite on the show. <laughs> We have a ton of fun on that show. We laugh, we joke, we talk Lions. Like I said, he brings up the Hurricanes. I talk about my Michigan Wolverines. Um, it's it's a really fun show. Benny loves the Lions. He tells great stories from his playing days, as well as uh, we're just rooting on this team. We B-L-E-A-V in the Lions. So please go ahead, find it on your favorite podcast platform. Hit that subscribe button and check it out. Share it with a friend. We really appreciate it. So check out Believe. Bleav and lines with myself and Benny Blades. Thank you guys so much. You ready? Showtime on May third. Summer starts with the Fall Guy. We do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. What's going on, Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers? Thank you guys so much for listening to that sponsorship. Please check out Believe in Lions. That's spelled B-L-E-A-V on the Believe Podcasting Network of myself and Benny Blades. And... Appreciate you listening. I had a little rant in the beginning of the show. I had to uh, had to talk about the rumors that are swirling with the Lions. I'm hoping in the next week or two we're going to get an answer of who the GM, the head coach are. We could start uh, moving this thing forward when it comes to that roster and then the draft and everything like that. But I, I thought we'd just take a little bit of a dive into the quarterback of the Detroit Lions, the number one player right now, the most important piece on this team, both if he stays on the team or if they were to move him for other assets. So let's talk about Matt Stafford here for a bit. I got a few main points. We'll kind of go through these decently quickly, but like I say, everybody's wondering, might as well talk about him. So let's talk about his play. I mean, one thing that's really surprised me over the last little bit is the stuff by that, that happens with Matt Stafford, both here in Michigan and uh, you know, across the NFL and the country, to be honest, like, you know, People seem to love Matt Stafford because he's that guy that never says anything wrong, never does anything wrong. Um, you know, people see the highlights of him throwing the ball around the yard or throwing a bunch of touchdowns and whatnot. Yet here in Michigan, we're kind of like, yeah, man, he he throws a good football. He, he's able to, you know, put it on people. He shows up pretty well when he's healthy and ready to go. But we all know here that he had not really had a big year since – 2011-ish, you know, Um, he had, he had 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. And since then, I bet you he's been sort of in the middle of the league. People want to call him an elite player, a top quarterback. I mean, the numbers don't justify that. The wins don't justify that. The play on the field for what he's had around him has been, you know, above average, but... There's definitely those times, you know, the pick six on Turkey Day that cost us a game. I, I want to sing at Chicago and then, you know, other turnovers he has that just kind of have you scratching your head and going, man, I can't believe a veteran QB would do that. That that makes the type of plays that he does at, at other games. So in my opinion, Matt Stafford is good to above average. But in the words of Grifka, I mean, come on, people. He ain't that great. He ain't elite. He ain't up there with the top five. He isn't up there with the top eight he's in that top 10 to top 12 type category on a good day on a bad day, he's in the middle of the pack and then on a really good day you can get up in that tops you know tops eight six type category i mean there isn't a day this season where he was up there with the mahomes you know he's up there with uh you know the the type of things that top qbs are doing the Rodgers, the Brady, no he hasn't been there, and he hasn't been there for a long time. So we pretty much know what he is when it comes to play. Now let's talk about pay, because that's the other thing that really makes it important with Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford has made a boatload of money in Detroit. He came in right when the rookie thing was still crazy, so he got paid initially as a rookie. Then he got paid again. Then he got paid again. I mean, this guy's made over $100-plus plus million here with the Detroit Lions, And looking at his contract, he's got two more full years on it. And, yeah, the the base numbers, the signing bonus, you know, make it a decent yearly amount. You know, he's probably in the top 15 when it comes to yearly amount. So he's not up there at the top anymore, which people flip their lid about. But here's something really interesting that I want you guys to listen to that Sean Belegian brought up on Twitter when I kind of asked him about Stafford. He said, if anything happened, it'd be after June one." And I'll give Sean Belegian, he's always been a really good guy on the radio that I like listening to. I'd love to chat with him someday. He's just a great football guy, no nonsense, knows his stuff. Go check him out on Woodward Sports. They just uh, started putting out podcasts, him and um, him and Joy Cabell doing a show. You got to check that out. I think you can find it on YouTube or maybe your uh, podcast platform, I'm not sure. But uh, they're doing cool things over there. So Shawnee B is a great dude. I'll Give him a plug there. And what I want to give him credit for is, so when I went and I looked this up, you know, you start looking at these numbers and, and they're very intriguing. So let a pre, let's say they trade Matt Stafford before. Um, let's start with the release. If they release Matt Stafford before June 1st. So they just like, hey, we're moving on. Nobody will trade for him. We just want to get rid of him cuz we're going to go in a different direction. That's going to be where the 40 million dollars of dead cap is going to come in. You're going to get a cap savings of minus 19 million. So nobody's doing that. So Matt sever's <laughs> not getting released pre-June 1. That's for damn sure. Now if you if you trade him before June 1st, that's where a lot of people get that number of you're going to have a dead cap of $32.5 million on the Lions cap, and you're going to get a saving still of negative of 11. So that's not doing you any good either. So, no, no no trades of Matt Stafford happening before the NFL draft when you look at those numbers, which my opinion to Shawnee B right away was like, man, let, let's try to trade him before the draft, get some assets. You know, we've heard about the, you know, go to uh, Dallas, go to. Um, you know, Indy, some of these teams where maybe you could get their pick and 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 start moving the team forward that way. Well, those dollars and cents just don't add up, so I I don't see it happening. The drafts at the end of April, you know, you're not gonna want to make that deal before June 1st. Post June 1st release, um, still kind of crazy numbers. I mean, you're gonna get a twenty. $1 million cap hit um, or dead cap. And then in 2021, you're going to be a dead cap of 19. So all you're doing is basically spreading that 30 um, 32 or $40 million over two years, and, you, and you're not getting any cap savings at that point. So you're just not going to release him, period. And why would you do that? Because if you can't find a trade partner, and we can definitely run him out another year or two and, and run out the contract. That's not a problem as long as he's willing to play here. But but then you get into this post-June 1st trade. So let's say they they went through the draft. They may pick up a young quarterback or they don't and they they start building their team, and then all of a sudden somebody comes calling at June 1st and being like, hey, we'll give you a 2022 draft pick, first rounder, maybe a third rounder, and maybe even they throw in a player. Like, I don't know if it was to Dallas. Can we get Michael Gallup to kind of add to our receiving core? I mean, now we're talking some reasonable numbers. Like, now that's only going to be a $13.5 million dead cap in 2020. You are going to have $19 million in 2021, but that's okay. You can spread it over those two years at that point, And you're going to save upwards to $8 million at that point. So, you know, I don't see a lot of those big time deals happening past June 1. Because at that point, like next, you know, in July and August, you're heading towards um, training camp and things like that. So I, I don't know that. It, it's as realistic, but when you break down the numbers, a post June 1 trade is really the only one that makes sense. You're not releasing them, you're not trading them before the draft unless you're just dead set of, hey, cap hit. I mean, these people that say the cap hit's no big deal. I mean, the cap hit's no big deal if you just want to be horrible for the next three years and then i'll catch you in like 2024 and maybe we'll either have a good team or start to really build up at that point you, you can't have 40 plus million dollars in dead cap and build a football team you just can't do it um so you know we, we don't even know where the cap's gonna be next year either yet so it's just i just don't see that happening you're just eating it no matter what anybody offers you but could it could a june one maybe happen Maybe. I still don't see it happening. I, I see Matt Stafford sort of being here. Um, I am gonna get to that at the end of sort of what I think his future is and what I would do versus what others would do. So, um, you know, let's just keep rumbling through another couple things with him. I mean, the injuries, I went on a big rant a couple weeks ago, kind of for entertainment purposes on the show and because I was just kind of frustrated with everybody calling him, like, the baddest man on the planet and the toughest quarterback of all time, you know, all this type of stuff. I mean, Matt Stafford had horrible shoulder and, and arm issues, collarbone, whatever, when he first started in the league. Those are bad, bad injuries for quarterback. And his back injuries are, are no joke, based on what we know. You know, people want to say it a broken back, allegedly. I mean, we—I really don't know how bad those were, but obviously they were debilitating enough to keep him out for what, oh, basically, a half season and and some other time that he's missed due to these back issues. So. I mean, those are two major injuries, but his other stuff that he warriors through and shows up. I mean, we're talking like uh, fractured finger, you know, sprained ankle, you know, uh, gosh, what else did he have? You know, he have like shoulder tightness or neck something, you know, like all these things that everybody kind of battles through. And I think the quarterbacks just get way too much love because when they get blown up, everybody's like, Oh my gosh. But like, what about every other play where they, they can't even get touched, you know, of the way the NFL set up nowadays. So, I mean, I couldn't do it. You know what I mean? Most people out there couldn't do it, but I'm just saying that like for an NFL position, you're not banging heads every play. You're not fighting through things like these other guys do. Hey, just, just put a cast on my hand and I'll go out there and play. I mean, Stafford's out there playing with a, a tweaked ankle or a, a sore, I mean, what does he have now, he's got the, he's got the finger, he's got the ankle, and, and he's had the, uh, the back, or the concussion, you know, you get a knee to the helmet, I mean, we get it, that happens, I mean, those are, those are what I deem somewhat minor, and you fight through, congratulations, but if you don't, I mean, it wouldn't be the biggest thing, too, if you missed a few games, the problem with me is that he continually gets hurt every time he gets touched. Or he babies when he gets hurt like Tayshon Prince used to do where he'd be like dead one moment and the next moment he's good to go, you know, no problem. It's kind of like, what is it, man? Like, I I, I don't know. So my, my, my take on him now is, I mean, he's a tough minded guy. I think he gets a little too much love for some of the things he battles through. And then yeah, I'm not I'm not debunking the fact that he had bad shoulder and collarbone and back issues. Those are legit. Those will put you out. Yeah, you know, I don't expect you to play through. I don't expect you to soldier on in those situations. But some of these other ones, hey man, okay, you got you got a little thumb ligament issue, but everybody else got something too. Now where he is super tough is is mentally. The guy wants to play. He wants to be out there. He's, he's a, He says everything right. He wants to be out there with his teammates. Hey, I respect it. I respect that part of it, no doubt about it, because we expect you to be out there too. You're making 30 some million dollars a year. You, you, we don't expect your thumb, your ankle, you know, a little uh, shoulder tightness, a little concussion four weeks ago to keep you out, extended period. We want you out there playing quarterback to help our football team. And he seems to have that mentality too. If he wants to be out there, he wants to play. You know, all that stuff is all fine and well. Um, When you look at Matt Stafford's history, I mean, the people that battle for him are always like, man, he's the best quarterback we ever had, and he can do no wrong, and it's everybody else's fault. And the people that don't like him are ready to move on are like, yo, 12 years, no playoff wins, no big games, no division titles. All these, all these stats, which we all know, yeah, he, he's put up good stats for his career, and we also know a lot of those stats have come in very meaningless games when the Lions are four or five wins at the end of the year, down in the fourth quarter, and he's slinging the ball all around the field. You know, great. How about how about you do that in that big, you know, uh, Thursday night or Thursday Turkey Day game when the when the division lead is on the line? How about you do that on the road in Lambeau? how about you do that at the end of the year when all we needed was one win and three, four games, and we couldn't get it. We lost them all. Like, where, where are you at then? so my history with Matt Stafford is the, the numbers really don't mean much, if anything, to me. Um, they're great. You know, hey, look at him later. Wow, he threw for his fastest to however many yards. Great. How many playoff wins you get me? How many Super Bowls did you get me? Oh, that's not a quarterback stat. Well, it kind of is because these guys get credit for that like nobody else because they touch the ball every play. He's the leader of the team. He's made $100 million, and he's the ultimate leader. So, yeah, you know, Jordan gets credit for it in basketball. Matt Stafford gets no credit for it in football because – you know, he hasn't been able to get this team over the hump. Bottom line, that that's the history. That's the facts. The numbers are there. The numbers aren't elite, elite. I mean, the numbers are, are compounded because some of the situations he's been in, the seasons he's had. If he was doing that and we were putting up 10 wins a year, you wouldn't hear this from me. Be like, man, he's balling. They're winning. They just couldn't get the, the Super Bowl. Hey, I wouldn't have a huge issue because I know only one team wins a Super Bowl every year. But you go out and put a bunch of bunch of numbers and I look at the records and it's six wins, four wins, two wins, six wins, eight wins, ten wins, back down to six, five, you know what I mean? That type of stuff. It's like, no. The the numbers don't mean as much at that point. You definitely get docked for that when it's history. So he's gotta he's gotta get those big time game wins. He's gotta get the division. He's gotta get him to the playoffs. And yeah, you need help, but you're the ultimate guy, man, both on offense and making up for the defense. Cause you know, we're not paying defensive players, 20, 20 plus million on this team. We're playing the quarterback and that's where the, that's where the, that's where it falls. I mean, straight up, um, uh, the community and, and with his teammates, great guy. I mean, everything you hear and see. I know he's he's blown me and Grifka off a few times at training camp. You know, he doesn't seem to have time really for the fans to come over unless you're in the VIP tent. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, you'd hope if you'd catch him, you know, down the street or somewhere, he'd be cool to you. I don't know. But he seems like a great dude. Um Leader for his teammates when it's when we hear in the public or behind the scenes, I'm sure he's a, a good leader, respected guy. I'm also pretty sure he's kind of a passive aggressive guy where it's like Matt Stafford ain't gonna, you know, swear you up and down and call you this that, and the other and get you to play your best. He's gonna be that guy that just kind of encourages you and when you screw up, Hey, we'll get them next time. And Hey, I, you know, it's, it's on me too. It was my fault or I make mistakes. So you can make mistakes. You know what I mean? Rather than like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm great at quarterback. You need to catch every ball at receiver. Like, or I'm going to be in your ass. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'd like to see from him. But I think his teammates like him because he doesn't throw them under the bus. Doesn't say anything, shows up, works hard, is at practice, fights through, you know, plays on Sunday, all that type of stuff. And that's commendable. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he's done a lot for the city of Detroit. He's built like the, I don't even know what it is. There's some, you know, rec center, school, whatever it may be. I I should know more about it, but I don't, I mean, put millions of dollars into that. You know, that's awesome. He also does the Christmas stuff where he shows up. Gives gifts to kids and families. That's tremendous. Sure. He does a bunch of other stuff that I don't know about. And he doesn't want to know about that's, that's incredible that Matt Stafford is the type of guy you want on the cups, the posters, Um, You want in the community, you want as that face your franchise, but you have to win. You have to win at a high level, and then that becomes even better that you do all that stuff. And it becomes even better that you you don't have to say anything about it. You just win. You still do all these great things in the community. You're still a tremendous guy. You can still throw it all over the yard, 80 yards down the field with your howitzer front arm. All that stuff's even better when you put up W's. And people are just getting frustrated because it's year after year of not enough W's. Not enough um, big game winning, not enough vocal leadership out in the, you know, in the podium that we see. That's the frustration. So when you're talking about the future, when it comes to Matt Stafford, this is where I'm at with it. I got to the point this year where I acknowledge his talent. I acknowledge the fact that the guy is a good NFL quarterback. Um, Like I talked about his toughness comes, he wants to be out there. He is out there a lot. He has had some major injuries. He's also had some minor ones that have been frustrating. But I reached a point this year where I just felt like I know what this guy is. If he comes back next year, he's going to throw for between 3,000 and 4,000 yards. He isn't going to be up there in the 35 to 45, 50 touchdowns. He's going to be in the mid, you know, low to mid 20s and 30s at best. He's going to turn the football over when you don't need him to and just give you the, oh, shucks, I'll get him next time. He's going to make some great plays where he's slinging it sidearm, down the field, whatever it may be. And you're going to go, like, oh, number nine, this is our quarterback. You know what I mean? Like, we've done that. I've, I've, I've done that song and dance now for 10, 11, 12 years. I know what this guy is. I know that he can go somewhere else that has pieces, Denver. Indy, uh, Dallas, and go win because they have weapons. He's a good quarterback. He'd have a, a better system around him maybe, and he might win at a high level. Congrats. Go ahead. I, I've i reached a point where I'm fine to, the regime, new coach, new GM, I'm fine to just move on and figure this quarterback out. And that it means trade him after June 1 like I laid out. That means... Um, if some of these numbers are off and you could trade him before the draft, I'm open to that. I'm open to taking a quarterback and, you know, hanging on to Matt Stafford and, and doing that transition plan. But I, I've kind of reached a point where I feel like the best situation is to just find a way to move him to another team and let the new quarterback, if he shows out and, and you feel good about him to just. Put him in the saddle, let him take his lumps, let him excite the the franchise, the city, and, and roll. You know what I mean? Um, I I feel like there's a lot of people out there that want to stay status quo, want to say, oh, everything's been wrong except Matt Stafford. The only reason we haven't won is because the run game, the old line, the defense. Um, you know the the tight ends, just everything, right? The coaching, the gene, you know, all the things that were wrong except for him. And it's like, I, I think he's a good piece. Don't get me wrong. If Matt Saffer was like our third best player and our highest paid player, because he's a quarterback, I wouldn't have an issue. But when he's consistently the best player, but he's not even in like the top 10 of my quarterbacks across the league, it just doesn't make, it doesn't work out. You know, he, yes, he's the best player on the lines. Yes, he's the, he's the best player we've had at quarterback in, in my lifetime, basically. But I just kind of feel like it's time to move on. Now, if the new GM, which he probably will, will come in and say, I love Matt Stafford. We can win with Matt Stafford. He's a great quarterback. He's under contract a couple of years and they just roll with him. I mean, I'm going to just roll with it, too, because I got a bunch of Matt Stafford jerseys in the closet. I know what he can do. I'm hopeful they can build the rest of the team around him. We can roll. But. I'm not going to be as fired up about it as if they make some trade, get a future first third round pick, get a player, um, you know, get this new quarterback in Zach Wilson or whoever, and just start slinging the ball, running a new offense, you know, having a bunch of mojo where they're out there dabbing it up and high-fiving and dancing in the ends, all the stuff that we'll never see with number nine at the helm. And it's just going to be the same old, same old, you know, and I, I wouldn't have said this five years ago. I wouldn't have said this three years ago damn sure wouldn't have said it like eight years ago where he seemed like the, the new, young, exciting, fun quarterback that was putting up crazy numbers. But, hey, this is your 12-plus, and I've seen what I've seen. I know what I know. He's going to be good, not great. You can move on from him. That would be fine. If he goes and wins and even wins the Super Bowl, hey, man, I'll be applauding him, happy for him. If comes back and beats the Lions in a game, hey, no big deal. Tip your cap. But, I feel like moving on is the best thing, and I know a lot of people don't want to do that and and aren't going to go that route, and the new GM and head coach might not go that route. That's okay. Like I said, I could see the other side as well. If you you really do, you know, put another piece on offense and focus on that defense and put nine back there for the next two years, yeah, that might get you the best results right now. But I don't know if that's the best for the next 10 years to kind of just keep rolling with them. But like I say, great guy lots to talk about i could probably go on for a bunch longer but i do want to finish up with some draft talk and uh we will do that as soon as i can find the music because you know what it is oh (laughs) there it is (laughs) the NFL Draft music. we got to have that when we're talking draft. Let me pull that down a little bit so I can give you some of my top prospects to know. And you know what it is. We're talking NFL Draft with the Detroit Lions. These are the names you need to know in no particular order, but these are the names you'll hear with that seventh overall pick, as well as some of their other selections. The first name I have here is Micah Parsons from Penn State. This guy's a freak athlete. Everybody knows the Lions need not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six. (laughs) We need maybe, you know, a whole boatload of linebackers. So if you could start with Micah Parsons there, that's a good place to start. Absolute great football player. I don't like taking linebackers that high, but he's the best player on the board and a position of need and they feel like it's a slam dunk player i i would be fine with it jamar chase wide receiver lsu sat out this year as my next guy that I wrote down jamar chase the ball player man like uh, i've got him ranked ahead of Devonte smith smith that's with three f's um i know everybody loves Devonte smith i mean I'm recording before the Heisman, so everyone's saying he's going to win the Heisman. I mean, I know Trevor Lawrence to have the great year, but isn't he the Heisman just because he's Trevor Lawrence? I mean, really? Um, but Jamar Chase would be great to add to the Lions and uh, and do some things there. Let me pull this music down just a little bit more. You guys don't miss any of this content here. We'll have it in the background there. And uh, Zach Wilson's my next guy, quarterback, uh, BYU. To me, I've watched him a handful of times now. There hasn't been a game where he wasn't making great throws all over the field. Seem poised, exciting, rocking the jump man bandana like I've said in the past, which I love. Seems like a face of the franchise type guy. Not the biggest guy, not the the most. I don't know. You know, prototypical maybe But that's what I want I want a new age quarterback I want a guy with swag, ability, leadership Can still throw it um, Throw off platform Run some of those boots And and different plays that that you draw up in the sand That's kind of what I want Rather than that that old style quarterback That worked 10, 20 years ago So Zach Wilson really excited about Don't know if he'll be on the board Now that he's getting all this hype Uh, Justin Fields Justin Fields is sitting there at 7 I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it, right? Justin Fields to me is a guy that I mean he balled out here in the college football championship he, he's a guy that um, he seems to have a great skill set for the new NFL so I mean if the Lions liked him. Um, I could definitely bring him in as my future quarterback. No doubt about it. If the draft value is right and he's sitting there, which he may be, um, between him and Zach Wilson, who goes up in that top two or three. And then if one of them slides, they will probably be there for the line. So check that out. Um, the, the other guy I wrote down again, quarterbacks are King. So I, I put them, you know, top here. Um, Trey Lance, you know, he hasn't been getting a lot of buzz. There's not much being said about him, but this is still a guy. He might need some seasoning. Trey Lance, to me, is the guy you could take and then sort of... Oh, you could just kind of... If you take Trey Lance, I'd kind of be cool with them riding out Stafford's contract or at least playing him in 2021 and letting Trey Lance get his feet under him and kind of learn. And then if he if think it's close, you roll with Trey Lance in 2022. If you think he's just not there yet, you kind of still let Stafford play out that final year and then... He's really going to be ready to roll, but you just don't, you just don't groom people for a year or two now in the NFL. It just doesn't happen. So I could just see a half a year, maybe trade Stafford at the deadline next year or trade him after the year. Once he gets Trey Lance up to speed, but Trey Lance got a ton of tools, make all the throws. He's a big bodied guy, can run it too. So you you just got to look at these quarterbacks, no matter even if you love Matt Stafford with all your heart and soul, you got to look at these QBs because QBs are worth millions, millions of dollars, both in the draft and uh, when it comes to their contracts. So very important. Uh, Devontae Smith, I mentioned him earlier Smithy to me is a guy that yeah, he's he's played had an amazing college year. He's still a little bit slight. I think people compared him to Marvin Harrison. I did like that comparison. I do think he's got some of those tendencies. And uh I wouldn't hate it. I mean, i I'm not a big, you know, receiver in that top seven type of guy, but Chase or Devontae Smith are there and they feel like that's the thing that'll get that offense rolling, Safford or not. I mean, I'd be fine with it. Same with the next guy on my list, Waddle. From uh, Alabama as well. This guy's got crazy juice. The Lions haven't had a speed burner in a long time. Um, You'd be able to take the top off the defense. This guy can get up to speed in a couple steps. I mean, really dynamic player. If he plays in the championship game, I could see him making some big-time plays and getting on people's radar pretty quick. Uh, Sertain, um, the the cornerback. I I have Sertain and Farley here together because – I'm not turning my back on corners. I know people are like, oh, we got A.O., we got Okuda, we got Font. we're good. No, we're not good. As you can see this year, we still can't cover, so Sertain, Farley, two guys I would not pass up on if if the draft value is right. Maybe a trade down, you know, maybe just want to solidify your your defensive backfield. Go take one of those guys and play one of them with Okuda and put A.O. in a 3-4 type situation along with Justin Coleman. Okay, now we've had a better cornerbacks than we've ever had in the past, but it's a lot, you know, at that position to take them two years in a row. But, hey, passing league, that might be what you need to do to get this passing defense right, which is just horrible this past year. And, uh, and a lot of my time as a Lions fan, we can't cover a coffee table, as, as Griff would say. Uh, a couple more names here. Uh, Kyle Pitts from Florida. Yeah, I know you're saying tight end. You can't go tight end. We can't. You know, who wants a tight end again? Hey, you guys watch Kyle Pitts. Dude's an absolute monster, beast, playmaker. Am I saying take him at seven? No, but I'm saying if you were to trade down in the middle of the first round, he's there, team him up with Hawkinson and and have Hunter O'Brien as your your third tight end. Now you're making that not only a, a great strength on the team, but you're stressing out defenses and you're really doing some great things at that position. Now, if Hawkinson goes down, who's behind him? The stiff named Jesse James and a and a guy that's made one or two plays in the league and Hunter Bryant, that, that's not depth at the tight end position. That's not a great setup. You wanna have another guy and, and Pitts would be an absolute luxury. But like I said, if you move down once or twice and he seems to be the BPA, the best player available, snag him up, run some two tight end sets and and stress him out and and Go that way. It's it's a possibility. I don't close my options at all when it comes to the draft. Uh, Gregory Russo from the U, as Benny Blades uh, would say, said the Lions can't win without somebody from the University of Miami. So, uh, (laughs) you know, if Benny Blades says that, I'm buying in. I'm listening to it. But uh, Russo is a big defensive end guy. I think they could really help the Lions. And Penny Sewell, the big offensive tackle. I know we signed Taylor Decker up. I really don't like taking a stud tackle and, and trying to move him to the right side. Usually you do that with guys in the mid-rounds mid, mid rounds or a guy that's maybe a run guy. Uh, better in the run game than pass. You move him over to the right side and get that figured out. But, hey, Penny Sewell, if he's really good, I'm sure you could figure that out with two bookend tackles. You know, make that work somehow or the other. Let, let's just go through the positions real quick um, to kind of end the show You know, uh, again, not not in any real particular order, but this is kind of how it would flow for me. Defensive end, rush guy, linebacker, excuse me, wide receiver. Um, You know, I put quarterback here fourth, but that's just assuming that the new regime is going to take the safe route and sort of go Stafford for at least a year. But I move quarterback up to number one, just because of how important the position is. Um, cornerback, you could use another one, as I already stated. Uh, safety, you know, uh, I still am holding out hopes for Tracy Walker, Will Harris, um, but I I can't hold out too much hope because they haven't really played that well. And it's year three, um, you know, for Walker and, and, you know, multiple years now for, I think Walker be going year four or whatever, but, um, you know, just another dynamic safety run, hit tackle, make plays on the football. I think we could use, um, offensive tackle. Like I said, I know a lot of people like Crosby and they want to just leave him over at the right side, but I think that I'd be willing to, uh, to invest in offensive tackle in the first, you know, ones, rounds one through four, maybe look for a good value and get a tackle that's dominant on the right side. And then you'd have, you know, four really good football players in your offensive line, then you could just plug in the other guard and probably get by without a problem. That's something I'd consider a uh, running back. You know, the lions have Deandre Swift and Adrian Peterson played decent this year, but not great until the, until the end, he showed some things. I mean, carry on Johnson to me is just an absolute washout at this point. I don't know what he has in the tank, if anything. So, I mean, gosh, be looking at these running backs in rounds three four five you could probably get a great value there after you filled some other holes and might be a good option i already talked about tight end don't write it off people you know you need depth there and you need another playmaker if it makes sense and interior defensive line getting some pass rush we already got some run stuffers panassini shelton whatever it may be but you could use the interior defensive lineman to uh, plug it up and rush it there. So there it is, everybody. We talked about rumors. You heard a rant from me about the uh, ridiculous refereeing that just absolutely astonishes me. in every Detroit Lions game, we ran through Matt Stafford, top to bottom, talked all about the quarterback. I'm probably going to do that on some other shows, especially when I go solo is just pick out a player and just go through it four or five different segments about about them's his history his past contract future all that type of stuff and break them down and you know it as many blades and, and people from you would say you know it then i'm gonna be talking draft all day every day whenever i can i'm just starting to get into my research i'm putting out mock drafts trying to do those every monday hashtag mock, mock draft monday and uh Just absolutely love that, getting the draft room ready. Can't wait for the new regime, the draft, all that stuff, to get this team put back together so we can actually win some football games. So appreciate everybody. Thank you guys so much for listening. We we know you like to drink that Detroit Kool-Aid. Drink it in, man. Twice a week. Appreciate you listening. Everybody, check out Friday. Griff bringing you a show Friday. I'll be um, taking care of some other things. So, everybody, you take care. Have a good week. Drink it in. Drink it in. Drink it in. Drink it in. man. Uh... Take care, everybody. I'm out. Back the back, Start the plane. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions. Drink it in, man.